Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And he drives one deep left field, headed back toward the wall. That ball is out of here. You win assist for this. More than two years on the sidelines. He's back with a home run. And the Mets lead it one nothing in the seventh. Ioannis Cespedes, the Mets have waited long and anxiously for his return. And he shows why he can be such a force as he clobbers one into the lower seats in left field and the Mets lead it one nothing. Okay, everybody, I just wanted to, to give an update on Ioannis Cespedes. First and foremost, uh, I'm glad to say and to hear that he is he's healthy and he's safe. Uh, and... We, we learned during the game today, late in the game, that, uh, that he's decided to opt out of the remainder of the season for COVID-related related reasons. Um, when we showed up to the ballpark this morning, uh, he was not here. He was not on site. We weren't, uh, we weren't aware of why. Uh, we were able to uh, send a security team to the, to the hotel um, and then ultimately learned later that he was that he was healthy, he was not in any danger, and then ultimately has made the decision to to opt out of the season. Probably was an underlying tone of, I don't know if, he, I'm not going to call it anger, but it's certainly disappointment because no matter what you look at, no matter what his reasons were, no matter whether he's, uh, uh, um, you know, concerned about COVID or there's other reasons that allowed him to opt out, it was not communicated properly to the organization for an organization that has done what they've done for Johannes Espinus to just disappear and not let anybody know about it, have to have security go and check your room to see if you're even uh, still in Atlanta. I think that is not considerate of the organization that's been so good to him. And I, I could understand the organization standpoint if there was a little bit of disappointment in that. And that is what you saw permeate through that, uh, those messages that came out.
It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, August the 2nd, 2020. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Sylvie. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can show an Apple podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me personally, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. Welcome into another edition of the program. And when you prepare to do these weekly podcasts, you know, my process is always throughout the week to think about how things are developing, what guests I'd get on, maybe a feature. And as the week goes on, you develop certain themes. And, and certainly because this is a weekly show and occasionally we'll pop in when there's big moments or big news in the middle of the week. What you decide on Tuesday or Wednesday, usually, especially as you get into the heat of the battle late in the season, is not what happens on you know Sunday when you come out with the program. In the case of this week, what I was planning on talking talking about is not really all that different. We have our uh, our good friend Rich Mancuso. It's been a long time since we've talked to him. The New York Extra is uh, a new project he's working on, a new site he's uh, he's at. He's also at Latino Sports, and uh, you know we'll talk about Jose Reyes, who retired this week, and the MLB season, and the threat of COVID, and, and the Mets, and their losing streak, but neither of us thought we'd be talking about Uanus Cespedes no longer being a member of the Mets, no longer being a professional baseball player, and maybe never playing again. We were uh, we were planning on, on coming on with this segment, and we talked as you know recently as yesterday— And none of that was even on the table. But as the game started today and the news came out that Cespedes was uh, missing in action, and then, of course, uh, fears for his safety and his life, which are normal when someone goes missing, uh, came about, and then you heard he was safe. And the next logical thing is, well, if he's safe and they they don't feel, feel that his life is in jeopardy, what the hell's going on? And then sure enough, after the game, it turns out that Cespedes has opted out. So that pretty much puts a cap on the Uanus Cespedes era in Mets baseball. And what can I say? Cespedes is like a comet. He came, he saw, he went, he made an impact, but he didn't stay around long. And I'm going to start off by saying this. He opted out due to concerns about coronavirus, which is his right. But I have... And I don't have no information, and it's probably unfair to speak for someone who I doubt will ever hear the true story from Cespedes, at least in the near term. But I think this has everything to do with Cespedes seeing the work that needed to be put in, seeing how, even with all the work he was putting in, how the injury that he had on both those Achilles, the very serious injury, how his lower half has been compromised, that even in best-case scenario, you were looking at a guy that was probably 70 to 75% of who he was, basically a modern-day Dave Kingman. I don't think Cespedes could, and it looked early, and it was early, and he wasn't going to have the full 162 games to really amp up and feel his way through his season. He needed to perform now. 
but basically you were going to have a guy that was going to pop you a home run on a fastball if somebody made a mistake, maybe show flashes here and there, but he was striking out almost 50% of the time. I think, I think you've seen a lot of players, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr., who's starting to heat up, and, and you've seen a lot of him over the last week with the Mets playing the Braves a lot. He's been striking out a ton. Pete Alonso striking out a ton. Even a guy like Jeff McNeil seems to be striking out a little bit more than what you're used to. So that's part of the fact that this season's kind of being jammed in. They're trying to squeeze it in with the short time they have. But I don't want to hear that it has to do with Cespedes fearing for his health and his safety and all that. And I find it really hard to believe a guy who's a chain smoker, a guy that, you know, let's face it, at times hasn't been, at least to the public, all that serious about a lot of things. He's just a guy that's very talented, loves to play baseball, and his talent uh, and his and his and his his immense ability to just turn it on and turn it off was what drove him as a baseball player and is what made him great and and made him a great Met, albeit in short span of time. And the best way I could describe Cespedes is I think the Mets and Cespedes should have always dated. They should have never got married, but they both needed each other. He needed them because his market never really developed. They needed him because they didn't have the dynamic slugger to bring the lineup together. They didn't have Pete Alonso in 2016 and 2017. They didn't have the kind of young offensive pieces they have now back then. So Cespedes was the offense. I mean, there was a point in time where if Cespedes was in the lineup, the Mets were probably going to win 60 to 65% of the time. And that's not a joke. I mean, he came over. He was not a guy that was a Sandy Alderson type of guy. He was not the type of player that you would think Sandy Olsen would, would, you know, Jay Bruce was the kind of player Sandy Olsen wanted. He wound up getting him later on. Cespedes was a guy who hit for power, was a free swinger, wasn't disciplined, wasn't a, uh, a serious uh, teammate. He kind of marched to his own uh, drummer, marched to his own beat. And uh, he came and he almost single-handedly won the Mets a World Series. Uh, you get the good and the bad with Cespedes, and you see the bad. He was very unprofessional the way he went out. You don't just leave. You don't scare your organization. This idea that the media is trying to turn this into a Mets circus. Hey, look, guys, well, what do you want the Mets to do? They're going to know what's in everybody's heart and mind. Are you surprised that Cespedes behaved this way? He was always a very quirky guy. He was a guy that spent a ton of time playing golf in the middle of the season, to much to the dismay of Sandy Alderson. So the Mets had to marry this guy. The Mets uh, dated him for a couple of years, and it was good. But once they got serious, Cespedes' body broke down, the quirks that you knew were going to annoy you, started to annoy you. You were hoping, upon hope, that he would have been a different guy and that you would get value out of that four-year deal. And quite honestly, everything you knew was bad that was going to happen, whether it be health, whether it be attitude, whether it be fit, it all came true. And I don't regret, nor do I criticize the Mets for doing any of the contracts, the first one or the second one. At that time, that was the right move. And certainly, look, 2016, they made it to the playoffs uh, with a compromised pitching staff. And that offense wasn't great, the 2016 Mets. And it was, you know, passable and good enough because of Cespedes. Because you had that guy that at times during that stretch between, uh, you know, late 15 into 16, carried the offense. If not for Daniel Murphy in the postseason playing out of his mind, the Mets scored very few runs in the postseason. Very few. It was a very difficult offensive team to watch, those Alderson teams, from the start of his tenure to the end. Uh, if there's one thing that has been a, a big difference, and I know it doesn't seem like it now because they've left 
pretty much a village of people, a small village in whatever country in the world you want to point to the map. They've been leaving those people on base over the last, you know, first 10 days of the season. Let's let's basically be honest here. So Cespedes is gone and, and it has nothing to do with COVID. I'll be honest with you with that. Uh, and if anybody wants to get into that, I mean, look, I don't know that for a fact, but uh, I think it's safe to say if you didn't feel safe, you wouldn't have opted in. And what changed from Saturday night into Sunday with that situation? I mean, come on, let's let's be honest here. As far as the team, I see a lot of people on Twitter. I know that the hand wringing and the media's got their knives out. We hear the whole, you know, let's go and get Brody Van Wagen and fired again. I told you guys from the start. I told you guys from the start that this season was never going to be normal. There was going to be these all these anomalies, sloppy play, uh, weird outcomes. Uh, it's not going to feel the same. I mean, I, granted, I, I even said this last week to all of you. I've started to get into it, the frustration with the Mets leaving runners on base and the excitement of the big wins that they've had, the few wins they've had. You know, there was you know it was a really nice series in Boston earlier in the week, but in general. I said, you can't go too crazy in either direction with the results of this season. And I've already seen people make that mistake just a week and a half into the 2020 season. What I'd like the Mets to get out of this is to find out a little bit about some of their players. Because this year, win, lose, draw, worst record in the league, best record in the league, is about setting yourself up for 2021. When in in theory and hope, is that you'll have a normal spring training to a certain degree, and you'll have a normal 162-game season, even though you'll probably still have some craziness because of what's going on in the world around us. That's what this is about. So seeing something like David Peterson emerging, at least in the first two starts, to be a solid back end of the rotation option is a very positive sign. Seeing Andres Jimenez potentially be able to uh, produce offensively and provide the Mets a dynamic of speed, of defense. You know, not that Jimenez is going to be a guy that's going to put up big offensive numbers, and he may not even be an everyday player. He might be a guy that is a 300 at back guy, and that's okay. You know, uh, sometimes we get so obsessed with developing the next star that you forget that part of having a good team is having homegrown talent that contribute to the roster in a component manner. I don't know if that's what Jimenez is. Maybe he's more than that. But at the very least, he's shown that he adds a dimension that this team, especially with speed, doesn't have. He also hedges your bets where maybe he, you know, makes Rosario expendable at some point or he becomes a chip. So there's a lot of positives that come out of that. So, yeah, losing five in a row in a 60-game season, starting out three and seven, you only have six of these 10-game stretches to, to, to play with. You've already played with 20%, you know, one-sixth, almost 20%, a little less than 20% of them. So you got to go 7-3 and three and play 700 ball over the next 10 days just to get back to even. But again, remember, everybody's going to make the playoffs. Well, not everybody, but you know what I mean. 50% of the league is going to make the playoffs. And knowing that and understanding that, let's, let's just take a step back here. The Mets, a lot of the things that's happened to them are things that are correctable. Getting the big hit, they did it in Boston. They didn't do it in Atlanta. They didn't do it at home at City Field, and that's nothing new because they still, even without fans, don't seem to play well or hit well at City Field. The bullpen, yes, I know the bullpen's bringing up bad memories from last year. I got to tell you, I didn't see a hell of a lot of difference between Luis Rojas's bullpen management on Friday and Mickey Calloway. I always tell you, one of the biggest things these managers can do 
outside of managing their bosses and keeping a clean clubhouse, the one thing where they actually have the most impact, one of the few X's and O's impacts that a professional baseball manager has is with the bullpen. And once Swanson got that hit off of Batances, you you knew Batances didn't have it. It was very clear. You had to have him go through the three batters. It was clear. They should have had Lugo ready much sooner. I think Lugo rushed his warm-ups. You brought him in. He was rusty. He gave up the hit. It was a, a vicious cycle. You leave a guy in too long. The other guy doesn't warm up quick enough or in the right time. And it's a you know whole ripple effect, a domino effect all down the line. And that's how you lose ball games. And that's bullpen management. It's not just picking the right pitcher. It's warming up the pitcher in the right situation. Knowing that even though he's dealing with batances, and I know you want to give him some rope to, to hang himself here, and in, in a normal, any other 162-game season, you know maybe that's not as big of a deal. 3-7 and seven start or losing 7-10 losing is never good, especially at the beginning of the season because it stares you in the face. But uh, you got to be more reactionary. you got to know... Especially at this point, I know that Batances is still very new to the Mets, that he didn't have it. There's probably enough data, enough information, and any Yankees fan who's watched him would have told you that once he gets into that space where he can't throw strikes, uh, you're going to be going down a bad rabbit hole, and that's exactly what happened. So, you know, not to say that this is a, a, an excuse or, hey, it's early, because it really isn't. This is 12% of the season. Imagine going winless. And 12% of a 162-game season. Do the math. That's a pretty darn long losing streak if you were doing a 162-game season. I still think that this is a house money season. You've started the season. You have to now continue to push through the season. And I have my friend Rich Catino, uh, Rich, Catino, Rich Mancuso coming on, and he's not for that. He want, you, know, you could re- you'd see Rich's tweets. I've spoken to him offline. He wants to end the season. He thinks that this has become a farce. You have the Marlins who've been quarantined for a week. Cardinals have issues. Phillies. You have all these protocols. Well, guess what, guys? Once you went into this thing, once you made the leap of faith, once you made the jump to get into having this 60-game season, now you got to see it through because you got too many people out there that want to see the sport to fail, and I believe part of it is politics. I will tell you. I think there's a lot of people who have firmly jumped on the anti-USA, anti-American mindset, and seeing a sport like baseball, which is about as American as anything, much more so than some of the things you've seen out of the NBA and you'll probably see out of the NFL, and, and, and the hockey, let's face it, is a Canadian sport, they would like to see an American sport fail and say, see, just like with everything else, they can't handle managing the sport with the virus. It, it goes back to the anti-American sentiment that you're seeing so much of. So this league has to push through. This league has to make sure that they continue to do the right thing, continue to keep guys safe. And by the way, you had all these rules you put in place that were there because you anticipated having these issues. You anticipating having teams have many breakouts. And hopefully these guys are all uh, going to be okay. I'm sure they will be, and they will be back. I mean, look at Freddie Freeman. We've heard he was on his deathbed just less than a month ago. He got a big RBI today in a ball game. So... There is hope that you can come back from this thing and be a functioning uh, employee in some capacity for a Major League Baseball club. But you have the 60-man roster. You've, you've bastardized the game with the doubleheader situation now. Uh, you have this runner on second base rule, which uh, I'm still not liking, but I, I, I do understand what some members of the media are saying when it comes to adding that element of excitement. You've got the three-batter rule. You've put everything in place here that you've basically, for the first time in the history of baseball, 
You've changed the game just like the NBA has changed over the years, just like the NFL has changed over the years, just like the NHL has changed over the years. And all these changes I've heard were a response to this virus and to keeping people safe and to getting through this season and completing the season. Well, now you have to complete it. You have tons of ball players out there that would have been playing in the independent ball in double A AA and triple A who have no jobs now. Believe me, bring them into your satellite camp. They will take these people's spots. Now, does that mean it's going to be the best, most competitive, highest level of game? No. There's going to be guys out there, just like there is in a normal baseball season, that you're going to say, that's a triple-A guy, or that's a team that's non-competitive. All of a sudden now, a league that is applauded, or immediately at least, has applauded non-competitive baseball with rebuilds is concerned about the competitiveness and the integrity of the game. You have too many people out there that have been working since March, not just because they're a government-labeled essential worker, because they knew they had to go out and do a job for their families, for the businesses that they were uh, uh, employees of, because if they went out and didn't do their job, they may not have something to come back to, and they continue to do that job, and they continue to use their protocols to to stay safe. And for them to come home, this is not about entertaining them anymore. This is about showing that you too can push through. Because I've heard, I heard someone say, oh, I talked to a member of the Yankees who's afraid for his life. Well, guess what? That was people who were making deliveries or working in supermarkets or working in a plant or an assembly line since March, maybe still now. They are, but they're doing it and they're pushing through. And guess what? Majority, high percentage of them are okay. And they never will get anything. And you've done the testing. They're not getting tested every day like a professional baseball player with the, what was it, 0.2%? Positive rate? If you told me you had 99.8% chance of this reliever coming in and getting it out, the world of analytics, that's not complicated analytics, that pitcher would be brought in and you'd feel fairly confident that you'd be seeing him get that out and the inning would be over. So I don't want to hear, you know, the sport needs to be shut down. You have to now. I was not for jamming a season in. I said that many, many times. They elected to jam a season in. You made your bed. Now you got to lie in it, and it's important. It's important because you got a lot of people out there that are trying to push through. They're trying to make their companies continue to thrive and survive during these times because they want to come back to something. There's, you you want to say that baseball is not essential? You're 110% correct, but there's a lot of essential workers that are out of work that rely on the sports. That I have friends that in this business that have no income coming in because sports is down. They want to come back to something next year. They want to come back to something in the future. You will do irreparable damage to this sport by shutting down. Short of people literally dropping dead on the field, you have to continue to push through. You have to put other players in there. It's like fantasy baseball now. Brian Dozier one day shows up as playing second base for the Mets. Brian Dozier wasn't even on the radar two weeks earlier. Fantasy baseball, you go in, player goes out, you replace him. Some guys have, you know, are transaction happy. You know that. You've probably been in the league with a guy who makes all these transactions. You have access to these players. Use it. That's why you have the 60-man roster rule. If you have to loosen up the roster rules, do it. You already changed the rules midstream with the doubleheader. Why not add to that and make the rosters a wild and wacky fantasy baseball situation? So, anyway, let's take a quick break. When we return, Jose Reyes retired quietly this week. I give some of my thoughts and more right after this. Reyes looks one to deep right center field. Kern's going back, and it's out of here! Jose Reyes leads off the bottom of the first inning with his seventh home run of the year, and the Mets have tied the game at 1-1. One one. 
Now the Mets have owned the first inning this year. And after giving up an unearned run in the top, Reyes gets it right back. He's on a pace for 67 walks. And he rips this one to deep right, and it's over Kurz's head. Reyes heading for second. And he'll settle for a two-base hit. Reyes, right now, is looking like he just can't be stopped. A nine-game hitting streak. In eight of the nine, he's had two or more hits. Fifteen games, he's had ten doubles. And now up among the league leaders, and he hits this one to deep right center. Kearns back. Can't get it. Oh. And Reyes will easily get to third. And he's in standing with a three-base hit. And he's just a single away from a cycle. A ball that Kearns probably should have caught, but he didn't. He just missed this, Gary. Look. My goodness, he's got to catch that ball. Well, Reyes hustling so Reyes. all the way. And when he gets going, you know it's three. Well, he's got all the hard parts out of the way. Double, triple, and home run. Mets' last cycle was by Eric Valent in Montreal a couple of years ago. Through the middle, base hit! And Reyes has hit for the cycle! Jose Reyes, the ninth Met in their 45-year history to hit for the cycle, and they'll take the baseball out of play. seen this ballpark so excited. Nine cycles in Mets history. Only the third at Shea. Tommy Agee, John Olerud, and now Jose Reyes. All right, we're back. So quietly this week, Jose Reyes retired and not too much fanfare and yeah, I know the Mets did kind of a goodbye to Reyes back in 2018 on the same night that they had the David Wright night. And I think Reyes kind of was almost an uh, intruder on that night. Not necessarily the same reaction. And uh, here's what I'll say about Jose Reyes. And I'd like to get, and we'll get to Rich Mancuso. He'll be joining us uh, right after this segment. I don't think you, some people realize how dynamic a player Reyes was during that 2006 to 2008 run and how important he was to that team. That period of time is known, and we've talked about Beltran and how he might be the best overall, both sides of the ball, positional player in team history. And we know about Wright and the power that Delgado brought and, and really a very murderous middle of the, the order that Mets team had. But the fuel for that team, what really started and, and greased the skids for those guys to drive in runs and use their power, was Jose Reyes. How many times would he single or walk, get on base, steal second, move over to third, or be driven in by, you know, Leduca or Beltron or Wright or whatever it may be. And it was almost like a kick returner taking the ball 95 yards for a touchdown right away and putting the opposition down 7 nothing. Put pressure right away on the opposition, especially on the road where you want to get ahead and play from ahead. It was so important, and Reyes did that so well, and I knew... There was a stat at one point where if the if Reyes got on and scored in the first inning, the Mets had some kind of you know high winning percentage, if I remember correctly. No matter how the season turned out, it always was a valuable, important part of that team. So without him, I don't think the success of those teams happens. Let's put it that way. I think a lot of ways he was blamed for the demise of those teams for whatever reason. You know, I think he's looked at differently than Wright. 
maybe because he didn't hit as big in the clutch. But that wasn't really, you know, his role was to get on base and be an energizer, not a run producer in that sense. Uh, the one regret I've always said about whether it be Reyes or Wright is that in 2011, when Reyes was on the way to winning the batting title and Wright was, you know, just starting to decline, we didn't know he had these serious back issues. I was against at that time. I was very vocal about it. I was against trading either one of them. I was against trading Reyes at the deadline. I wanted the Mets to go out and try to sign him. And they, I don't think Reyes ever wanted to leave. Clearly, the Mets made kind of a half, you know, hearted offer. I don't think they really wanted him back. I think, you know, clearly money was part of it. I'm not sure he was a Sandy Alderson type of player. You know, I'm not, I, I, I know that Alderson gets the pass because of ownership, and I get that. But I think, I, I wonder if some of that is, is Alderson's belief system as much as anything. But what they should have done was trade those two guys then. And it would have been heartbreaking. Those guys were in their prime. They were still very much closer to the 2006 season that we didn't want to let go of at that point. It was still fresh in our minds, only five years away. Um, and you may have gotten something big for Reyes. You may have gotten something big for Wright. You may have re fueled the entire organization with talent and prospects, as painful as that was, and who knows where they would be today, you know? I mean, you just don't know. I mean, that's water under the bridge. I think also with Reyes, I think the fact that he had not a great second tenure, he was clearly not a third baseman, he was not the same offensive player, he was not the same defensive player even at shortstop, he had the -the off-the-field issues with the domestic violence, and, you know, people like to be judgmental about off-the-field stuff, and you know, clearly that's not a good situation, but we also weren't there and we don't know what happened and we don't know all the details. All we know is what the media has put out there and reported to us. And uh, it's his personal business. And uh, it's your right not to like somebody over what they did off the field. Just like, you know, there are players that I don't like for their off the field beliefs or their actions, like a Michael Vick and things like that. But I still believe they have a right to work. Um, so, you know, that might play into how fans look at Reyes. But when you look at the entire package, and, and this is just, you know, go to baseball reference. Over a 10-year period, from 2005 to 2015, pretty much when Reyes was a shortstop, before he came back as a third baseman in 2016, Reyes was the third best, if you take a win share, shortstop in all of baseball, is a top five. Better than a Derek Jeter. Better than, you know, uh, Jimmy Rollins. Now, I know I'm not saying overall career he's better than Derek Jeter because Jeter had a whole nother career the 10 years prior to 2005 when Reyes really came into his own. But other than a guy like Troy Tulowitzki, and you also had Henley Ramirez who played a lot of shortstop during that time, Reyes was one of the best players at that position in baseball. And actually, looking at some of the win shares, looking at some of the uh, results of a Troy Tulowitzki, I'm amazed at how good he was because I knew he was a good player. I know he played in Colorado, and sometimes you get dinged for that. But um, imagine if he had stayed healthy. So I think Reyes doesn't get a lot of fanfare. And I think Mets fans loved him more early in his career. And I don't know if the love is there later in his career for those reasons, for the collapses, the fact that he left as a free agent, the fact that he had the -the off-the-field issues later in his career. But he was a darn good Met. And statistically, he's a top-five Met all-time, had better careers than a Piazza or Hernandez, beloved Mets. Now, different. Different players. Piazza was game-changing for the organization. Hernandez was game-changing during that era for the organization. I mean, Piazza single-handedly brought the Mets back from the dead from both an on-the-field and off-the-field perspective. 
Reyes didn't do that. Same with Hernandez. But he had a darn good run as a Met. Uh, he's an underrated player in some cases because I don't think everybody truly appreciates how the element of speed, his arm, he was a, you know not a great defensive shortstop at range, but he was pretty good. And um, you know what? He deserved a little bit more of fanfare going out. Unfortunately, uh, that's not the way it happened. And away you go. So Jose Reyes retires officially. And, uh, you know, will he be in the Mets Hall of Fame? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get that honor. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. There'll be new owners, of course. Uh, I think some time will heal the wounds. And, uh, you know, maybe Reyes, uh, you know, wins back some of the fans that he lost because of his off-the-field situation in some uh, post-career connection with the organization, but I guess we'll see. So, anyway, uh, we're going to talk more about this. We're going to talk about the Cespedes situation. And my friend Rich Mancuso, Rich Mancuso really doesn't like the fact that baseball even started, much less continuing in the midst of this pandemic. He'll tell you about all that. And I'm going to push it back at him. I think he's wrong. We'll do that and more right after this. Mets fans love Bartolo Colon and remember his home run. But what kind of impact did he really have on the club? Michael Stahl, author of the book Big Sexy, Bartolo Colon in his own words, joined us on the podcast and gave us a pretty good idea. I got to speak to Terry Collins over the phone, and, and he contributed a story. And he says the definition of a professional, he's like Bartolo's right there. One of his early starts in Anaheim, where Bartolo just didn't have it, and he gave up like back-to-back-to-back home runs, I think, in like the first inning. And you know what he did? He took his, he took his licks, and he, he stayed in the game until the fifth inning because the bullpen was, was tired. So, you know, his ERA ballooned up to like six or something like that. But, you know, he didn't care. He, he knew it was best for the team and, and, he, and he wanted to stay in the game. He told Terry after the first inning, he goes, I'm going to get you into the seventh. And he wound up going five, but still, like that's his, that was his attitude. And that was, you know, a real um, testament to him. Listen to this and more at www.talkingmitspodcast.com. We're back, and joining me, good friend of the program. It's been a while since we've had him on. Uh, he's got a new lease on life at a new website, uh, The New York Extra, thenyextra.com, also at Latino Sports. My man in the Bronx, loves covering baseball, boxing, longtime journalist, Rich Mancuso. Rich, welcome in. A lot to talk about. How you doing? It's been a while. You hanging in there out there in the Bronx? I hope you're... Uh, you're doing the right yeah. thing out there and, and staying yeah, healthy. Mike, I'm, look, I'm doing the best I can along with everyone else. The only difference is I'm not at the ballpark. Everyone knows I opted out. And, you know, because uh, I'm okay. I'm healthy. I just felt that, again, that, you know, it is a risk. Uh, but also it's uh, the, the way the situation was. It just wasn't uh, media-wise the right way to do it because – you don't have access to players. You don't have access to dugout, the field, the clubhouse, you know, all of that. Sitting in a press box for two and a half hours, you could do just as much at home on the little bit of work that I still have. Thank goodness I still have some work, but not as much. So I'm I'm monitoring things at home. I'm watching, listening to every Met game and other MLB action. Of course, the boxing stuff, which is resumed as well. And, of course, the routine is different, but I'm here. And I hope you're well, and every Met fan is as well. No, it's true. Uh, I mean, I'm hearing you about the coverage. I saw some complaints from the writers today as 
The Mets didn't really make anybody but uh, David Peterson available. Uh, so it's really difficult, as you said, uh, to cover the team. But before we get to the current situation, there's a lot to talk about. Like I said in the open, Cespedes, uh, you know, obviously you're, you feel strongly about this season that, you know, where where MLB should or shouldn't have what, – what they should or shouldn't have done. Um, but I wanted to – and this is a story that's not going to get a lot of play, but I thought it was important, being that this is a Mets podcast, to dedicate some time to it. And it was that uh, Jose Reyes, although we knew his career was over uh, after the Mets didn't bring him back after 2018, he made it official mm-hmm. and he retired. And uh, I had said a few thoughts about Reyes. He's an interesting guy because – I don't think he is thought of as an all-time great Met for a variety of reasons. I think that he gets blamed for the collapses in 07, 08 and how that team fizzled out, the injuries. He left as a free agent. I also think the domestic violence situation later in his career put a cloud over him. Maybe in a way, the way he played coming back, and I think that was unfair. He was not a third baseman. They asked a lot of him to play a difficult position. And uh, he was a backup that was being thrown in. Uh, as a starter, and, and, and then he didn't really, when he was a backup, he didn't really adapt to that role. So there's a lot of things that cloud the fact that this guy, if you look at baseball reference, over a 10-year period, from 2005 to 2015, he's a top five shortstop in baseball. Uh, if you look at some advanced metrics. And, and he's better than Derek Jeter in that period. I know that that's going to go, oh, my God. I, look, I know Derek Jeter had a better career. But you're talking about Jeter 05 to 15 was a different player than Jeter from 96 to 05. He started to decline defensively. Um, and as a Met, Reyes is a top five Met from a advanced metrics. Again, win shares, better career than Hernandez, better career than Piazza. Now, I'm not saying in terms of standing he's better, but I think people forget how important he was that 2016, almost like that engine that got things going. Uh, that yeah. team, you know... The, the the kick returner that got the touchdown early to put the team ahead, that was yeah. Reyes during those years. So your thoughts on the Reyes retirement, I know you covered him, and you probably have a little bit more intimate uh, knowledge of him and, and who he was than I do. Well, Mike, homegrown Met, first of all. And uh, uh, the reason they brought him back is because he was homegrown. He could fill a need a little bit that they needed then. But he was a homegrown Met, and he played the game well. And I don't think any Met fan could be disappointed about what he did to represent the New York Mets when he was on the field. Yeah, he wasn't consistent at times, and he did have that quality range at shortstop. And he was one of those top guys in baseball that we know of when at the spark and height of his career. And he did it with the Mets. you got to remember that. But, you know, I bring up a point. I listen to Bob Murphy all the time. He was my favorite Mets broadcaster. TV, radio, switching radio as he ended. Bob Murphy would always, you know, was Ray Odonez before, and then it was then it was Jose Reyes. And he'd always talked about how young Reyes was as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old, and being around the Mets a long time, and what versatility he had and how good of a player he would be at the position, as well as being a good guy in the club, you know, good teammate. And and sure enough, I, I can't say it any other way. Knowing him the way I did, covering him many times, as all of us did, um, how good Jose Reyes was. He was a spark for those Mets teams. And he was a great guy in the clubhouse. He was a team player and a good guy to have around. Great to talk to everyone. You know, everyone talks about 
how this one in the Met clubhouse over the years was this good to talk to, that good. Jose Reyes was always accessible, always a fun guy to be around. He'd give you an, uh, give you an interview, and he, and he told it like it was, the way he felt, and he did that. He did that to me numerous times, even towards the end. Uh, and when you'd say, do you think that this is it? He says, I don't know how much time more I have to play. He says, but I'll give it my best till the end. And I think that described him. He did. To the end, he tried. He hustled. He did what he could do until he could really didn't have that uh, skill or plan for the Mets or any other team. That's why all last year he did try to get back in somewhere and he didn't have a job. But um, I think you consider him as an all-time great Met. Uh, of course, not a baseball Hall of Famer, but a Mets eventual Hall of Famer. And one that can be remembered for his personality, his spark, and uh, being a homegrown Met. You can't deny what he did. Absolutely. And and they talk about Beltran and Delgado and Wright. And you go during that era of Mets baseball, which, again, they won the division in 06. 06 was uh, the season of love. I've never seen a love affair between the fans and this team before or since. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a lot of ways, what happened in that game seven against the Cardinals, I think, still has scars with the fan base and, and still reverberates yeah. some of their behavior. Uh, 07 and 08 dampened all that, but I think people need to remember uh, Ray, without Reyes in that lineup, I don't care what Beltron does, I don't care what Delgado does, I don't care what Wright does, I don't care what Laduca does. Reyes made those guys better because he was on base, yeah. he was a nerve pitcher, and I, and I compare it to jumping ahead and go back to that kick return in the NFL. How big is it when you take a leadoff kickoff and you take it back 100 yards, 95 yards, whatever? And you get a 7 nothing lead, bam, like that. That was what it was like. Reyes single, steals second. Maybe LaDuca moves him over to third. And then, you know, Beltron drives him in or Wright drives him in, whatever. Oh, yeah. Mike, huge, you bring up some great points. How about how he, how he would spark a lineup as a table setter either at the top or bottom of the order, whether he's batting leadoff or eighth? He, he always seemed to do that. And his speed was, was phenomenal. I mean, I remember the first game uh, I covered him when he came up and the Mets had him uh, when he debuted. And I was amazed at how fast he was running the bases. I mean, he could leg out what looked like to just be a single turn into a triple. I mean, uh, he was that fast. He was a speedster and he sparked, he produced. He he, he could spark a lineup again, either at the top or bottom of the order. And um it I didn't remember about him is just the type of guy he was and the type of player he was. He gave it all. He gave it all. He wasn't a quitter. Despite no, and it was the, a shame the, the way he, he liked the Despite the batting uh, title controversy where he pulled himself sure. out of the lineup, uh, which I right. saw nothing wrong with doing that. I really didn't. I mean, I, I, I was uh, on the way home from that game with Wayne Hagen, who used to, broadcast Met games then on WFAM and he was very upset about it because Wayne felt that wasn't right what he did and I gave my side of the story I said hey Wayne you were in position to win a batting title I was if the team didn't care you think uh, we should care I think that he did what he had to do and he won a batting right. title good for him I would and, and you know thing. that and that's the one thing you may be criticized you know, and you look back at what went wrong with Sandy Alderson, and I know the Mets got to the World Series with Wright, but not trading Wright and Reyes when 
you know, we all knew that the Mets financially had issues. I always used to defend the ownership group, say, look, they're wealthy. Wealthy people always get out of these jams. You know, you can't give up on right race. They're homegrown. They're in at that time. They were in their prime. It would have been criminal to see them go. Uh, and I didn't want to see them go at the time, but it would have been the right thing to do. Reyes was a free agent. You might have been able to get something. Look, yeah. look what you got for Beltron. You got Zach Wheeler for Beltron. Back then, it's not like now. People would have paid for rentals. They were about winning back then. Things changed in the exactly. last five, six, seven years. Uh, you could have gotten you know, Wheeler for Beltron. You could have gotten whatever you got for Reyes. And maybe who knows for right. You would have really restocked your farm system. Who knows where you would have been now. But that's water under the bridge. Um, I guess that's the only thing. So, you know, on an, on that note, Rich, another dynamic player, and as you and I were preparing to have this conversation today, uh, the tone has, has completely changed as we found out earlier in the day that Ioannis Cespedes was missing, and we were worried for his safety. And then we found out he was safe, but that something was going on. And then we find out after the ball game that he has decided to pack his bags, go home, and he doesn't want to play anymore. And to me, yeah. look, I don't have a problem with it. I'm not upset about it. Uh, t- you know, with Cespedes, he, he was dynamic. He came. He got them to the World Series. Not alone, but he was he was that spark. He was not a leader in the sense of being a leader, uh, like a uh, you know a Piazza and a leader by example, or Keith Hernandez or Wright. He was more of a, a presence in a lineup that changed the dynamic of the lineup. And then they brought him back, and they had a great—he had a great year in 2016. Um, but you knew he was a mercurial guy, and yeah. maybe it's the money. Maybe the money was just not worth it to him anymore. Maybe he realized how hard it was to prepare and come play every day. That's what I think this is about. I do not believe this has anything to do with the virus and COVID. I think the guy realized, hey, I need to put this much time in, just like David Wright had to put a ton of time in at the end of his career. And I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to be probably at best 60, 70 percent of who I was. Yeah, uh, but you and he know, probably said, Mike, oh, do I want to do. Do I want to do this? I, I, I disagree with you on this respect. I mean, I'm not speaking for him, and we probably won't know until if he ever does speak about why he did what sure. he did today so abruptly. Uh, but I really believe that uh, it was a COVID situation. Also, on top of the fact that he probably saw his skills just were no longer there. I think it's a combination of both. More so COVID, which he, you know, any player had that option to do that, whether they started to the season uh, to say they're going to do this or not. And, you know, we see how bad he had become in his first nine games he played. And, you know, after that opening day home run, and one other, there was nothing left. I mean, you could see that bats were terrible. So I think it was a combination of both getting whatever money he could get, whatever was left on that contract for the games he played, and said, you know what the heck, I better, I, I don't want to risk my health, which I think is a concern of every major league player right now. And I, I uh, spoke to a couple of players off the record. Uh, about an hour ago uh, when the game ended, um, not through Zoom or any of that stuff. And uh, they wouldn't comment about the way this was handled by Seth, but as you could sense there was a tone of tremendous disappointment. You could sense all the tone they weren't happy. Yeah, very that's the word to use, you know, the way you, it was done. You, these are people that at the very least, the Mets have paid you a lot of money. Uh, you yeah. deserve to at least give them a phone call and say, hey. And I don't like the fact that right away the beat writers, the media, 
some of the beat writers, not all of them, are trying to turn this into the Mets screwed up. Mets didn't screw up. Guy didn't show up for work. The guy no, didn't show up for work. No. And you then know I what? They were, they, were more, they were more, I was monitoring Twitter through the whole time and monitoring, you know, all social media on the platforms and the writers, what they were talking. And I was in, and I even posted on Twitter, Facebook, so forth myself. Uh, there's more to this before the writers could jump the gun and start criticizing Cespedes. Perhaps he's not well. Perhaps this is a COVID thing. And the safety and risk of a player is more important than worrying right. about the way right now this is being handled by Cespedes or the Mets, on the other hand, because the Mets were getting criticized right away about uh, that this happened in the first inning and they should have known about this, they're hiding this up, and they knew about it from the beginning. No, they didn't. Brody, Brody explained it at the end, and he explained it real well, the best he could. If anything, through all of this, this is Major League Baseball's fault because whether well, Cespedes opted out because of COVID or something else, and Mike, this should not be a baseball season at all. As I have, why I opted out, why a lot of other players did, why more may now with the the uh, more uh, St. Louis Cardinals now reportedly today being tested positive for COVID. Major League Baseball is a disaster because of this. They should take the hit. They should have not started the season from the beginning after all those months of negotiations to return the games under the situation as the coronavirus just got worse and continues to get worse all over the place. So, well, Rich, on, the more, on but but when that, that now that's all and that's us. We'll talk about that. But here's the there's a part that really bothers me if it's true. It's from Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Suspicious was disgruntled. Well. Is he disgruntled because he didn't like the protocols well, of the Mets? How does uh, and I respect Bob? He he's a great writer, great journalist, great baseball writer. He's got more in than me. He's from a but player. How does he know that he's disgruntled? Says it, how does he know? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I mean, that's, he, he heard it from a player. I heard, right. but two of the players talked to me, who I'm not going to name, and they wouldn't comment about it. And I'm close to those players. You know, I'm not on the beat right now. And no, I, I wasn't told there was any, there was no indication, according to what I've determined, what I have learned, that Cespedes was disgruntled, that Cespedes was not happy. He was in the lineup every day. He just wasn't Playing every producing. day. I mean, they would have even maybe got him into yeah. the outfield at some point. Uh, so I don't know anybody could say he was disgruntled. And from who? Who would say that? I don't think the players are right. going to comment about that except to be outspoken maybe about them being unhappy the way the whole situation was handled by Cespedes. That I can understand. Right. right. And you know what? Um, um, you know, he, he you have to give the guy credit just getting back on the field. I don't think people understand what seriousness these injuries were. Forget the boar and the jokes that always drove me crazy how they made fun of him with the boar. You know, yeah. throw that wild boar of the people who wrote those columns and who made those those cartoons in the front of the paper, you, you see them. Let me tell you, I put Cespedes uh, taking on the board a hell of a lot quicker than than uh, uh, any of these writers and whatnot. But he came back from yeah. Achilles injuries. Cliff Floyd talked about this because he had that kind con- those same injuries what Cliff Floyd had. Now, he didn't have them at the same time. You remember he had one uh, early in his Met tenure and then another one which hampered him in 06 uh, at the end of his Met tenure. They're serious. Yeah. You know, your, your bottom half goes in baseball. He, he, You're done. He was the You're controversial done. Mets player with the big contract that every Mets fan wanted. Remember that? I mean, every Mets fan wanted Cespedes, and they wanted him to resign. 
And he did because he fell in love with New York. I remember. You know how big this was? I remember I was traveling the first off season between 15 and 16. I was traveling when it was January. The Mets had already given up on Murphy, which turned out to be a bad move. But they needed a bat. And Cespedes was what was what everybody wanted because they saw the impact. And I had gotten off a plane on a layover, and I saw that looked at the Nationals were going to sign him, and the Mets were out. But as after I got on the plane and I got off again, I heard later that night that the Mets had reopened negotiations. The excitement on a WFAN, the excitement listening to the fans yeah. about possibility of Cespedes coming back, and he shortly signed thereafter. Uh, and then the excitement when he re-signed again the following offseason for a longer commitment. The the right. thing about Cespedes is he was good to date. He wasn't good to marry. They dated him no. a couple of times. He had some really good runs. Once they got married, uh, well, they got the whole package. And, and right. And you, and, and, Full and of controversy. Yeah, and as I'm writing about the, it now, Mike, not to cut you off, because you're bringing up the points, and I want to jump ahead, just bring in this one point. Uh, you can remember when he was injured, he was on the golf course, and Sandy Alderson said it was a bad optic. And who could right. forget that? You know, that was another thing. So his entire tenure with the Mets, though at times were good, most of it was bad. And because of the injuries and all that other stuff. And I I even wrote about it back then that uh, he was a diva and he was being treated like one. And he was being, you know, not so much protected, but he could do no wrong no matter what, except for Sandy saying it was a bad optic at the time. But overall, uh, you know, Met fans can't complain because the Wilpons opened up their pockets to bring him here. They did. The Mets fans wanted him, but he just didn't do what he was supposed to do. And it's because of all the recurring injuries. So moving over, so you've been pretty vocal about your, uh, you know, let's say disenchantment with Major League Baseball coming back. And look, I'm with you in the sense where as this thing got later and later in the season, and the complexities with it, and a 60-game season, I wasn't for any of that. I, 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 it juiced me up. And I'd be lying, and I said this last week, as I've been watching the games over the last 10 days, the same emotions and feelings are coming back. I still want to see the team win. I'm still into doing these shows and talking about the team. Um, but obviously, it's different. And I, and I said to everybody, no matter what happens, the, the worst season in team history, the best season, winning division, winning a championship, it'll never be the same as other winning seasons. So the best case scenario at this point is you'll learn something as much as you can. Now, you don't overreact or you don't take everything as you would in a normal season into your decision making. But you could learn about a David Peterson. You could learn about an Andres Jimenez. Maybe Cano still has something left in the tank. You continue to see some of your young core develop. Those are the things that I take away. Now, now that they've started, though, Rich, now that they've made that leap of faith, I do not believe it would be anywhere near the right move to shut it down mid mid midseason. You have to fight through it. You have to be able to set the tone. Because I'll tell you why, Rich. Think about this. Think of throughout this time since March. How many people that work in grocery stores that stock our shelves, make deliveries, healthcare workers, people that did not have the choice, not because they were essential workers. That's essential, non-essential. That's a government term because they knew that if they didn't step up for their company, if they didn't go out there and do the right thing, they may not have a job coming back to you. Government's not going to bring back a job once it shutters the doors. Those people, if they could go out there and a large majority based on the numbers – 
go out there and they're safe and they come back healthy. And if they do get sick, they get better. How can it be that baseball players in the environment and the testing that they have done daily can't do the same? That's why I think once you started it, yeah, you got to finish. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I got a few answers to that, Mike. And pardon me if I ramble on. No, it's one, okay. That's what this is about. <laughs> well, one is baseball players are not essential workers. This is entertainment and entertainment for, for us, for fans. And that supposed diversion to get away from what we've been going through the last five, six months. Okay? Two, Major League Baseball shuts down the game in March when COVID starts to get worse and more gets worse. They're cautious, right? And so they shut the game down, and then they try and listen to our chief in the White House who assembles a sports committee of commissioners, and he wants them to play ball to generate the economy, to keep everyone happy to make him look good in the White House. That's my opinion. Three, Bob Manfred is a joke. The players did not want to return under the circumstances as was through that negotiating period. And in turn, the game is shut down because of COVID. Now they come back and they're having a tremendous amount of issues with COVID. When they return, the players are picking up some type of salary Major League Baseball securing some revenue they desperately wanted to get through the network deals, the TV, the cable, the regional, whatever, with no fans in attendance, with cardboard cutoff fans, with piped-in music, which is working out okay. I happen to like that. It's not too bad. With crazy rules, except for the universal DH, which I think will stand still. But most of the players I talk to, and that's not just with the Mets. A lot of guys from out of town that I that I that I can talk to have told me they were forced into this position, as we know they all were. If baseball wanted a 60-game season from the beginning of all this, without two months of waste, they should have done that, and the season might have been halfway done already. Instead, we have a 60-game Golga season. Major League Baseball and this focus commissioner is gaining the revenue that he wanted, that the owners wanted. And the players are at risk, still at risk, as we know today with the Cardinals outbreak now continuing. More teams, I'm sure, that will develop as they continue to travel. But, Mike, look at the situation more that the players that I talk to, and a lot of them, do not want to be there. They were forced to be there. They had well, they no choice. They could have choice. opted out, though, Rich, right? I mean, what they, they, didn't want, but they didn't want to because it wasn't in the best interest of the union. And it wasn't in the best interest of what they wanted to do. And, yes, they're getting some type of salary, and they are right. getting that. And, and, they right. were, and, and the veterans have told me, the veterans that, that have been around this game and don't have much more time to go, we're doing this to protect the younger guys in the game as a union. Yeah. That's what they did. And most of throw, them did not this. want to return. Let me throw this, and I, I agree with you. Baseball is not essential. And if, if baseball didn't come back this year, uh, look, our lives wouldn't change. I mean, we'd be disappointed. Of course not. What's uh, more important, baseball or right. our health? Baseball, sports, right. or our health? But I will say this. There are plenty of people, and I have a buddy of mine down in North Carolina makes his living off sports, just like you. Pieces together a so salary. Um, yeah. Working in minor league baseball, working, doing stuff for ESPN. And he's out of work, and you know what? I, I talked to him. There's no end in sight for him. So when I hear people say that, I understand because you you could understand this. 
there are essential workers that rely on sports. And you know what? Maybe some of the the bottom pieces of the union, or you know, like the guys making the league minimum, which there are a lot of people that if they stopped earning a check for one, two, three years in baseball, I know this is hard for people to believe when the average salary is five million dollars and the minimum salary is a half million dollars. That's not life changing money, a half a million dollars, where you could have a half no, million dollars this year and then not get paid for two years. That's not life changing money. Even five million dollars after taxes and everything, you'll live well, but you can't retire yeah. for the rest of your life. I know that people in the audience are like, what are you talking about? You know, start to break down cost of living no matter where you are. So, again, yeah. I go back, Rich. I'm with you. Maybe they started this when things are still fluid. I get that. Things are still fluid with understanding this whole situation and how to stay safe. But 0.2% of the people have tested positive. If you told me 99.8% probability that Edwin Diaz gets a save, I'd put a lot of money down. That I'd how much of this is Vegas? How much? I mean, we we don't know how much of this is accurate. They may not be reporting everything. Again, I'm just that's my opinion. But I'm also looking. I'm looking at the business aspect of the game here now as well. Another point I got to bring up that's been on my mind. Look at one. The game is played sloppy, and you have a lot of a lot of things. A lot of guys opting out that are not playing. Uh, you know, that's another part of it. But uh, the sloppy play. You look at what baseball wanted to do for a while, and now it's happening with a global pandemic. Uh, maybe they got their wish. Thirty-five members of the media limited to a press box. Okay, well, they, one. Let me tell you, the players are the happiest people in the world. Yeah, well, of course they not are. In the I know, and they I don't want to. And Rich, they don't want that going back. You know, I always no. tell people with this whole pandemic, and Mike, there's a lot of things you're accepting. Yeah. This yeah, is, you're right there's about a lot that. of things that are not going to go back. Hey. You know, whether it be in sports and in life, be careful about yeah. what you accept because it will not yeah. go back as you think. Oh, I've accepted that I may not cover another game the rest of my life. And I've accepted it. I've adapted to it already and I miss it, but I've accepted it. But what about the official scorer? No longer in the press box right now. Okay. That could eventually return. Here's the thing. The minor league system depleted. No minor league system this year, which Ball wanted. And no scouts around the ballpark. And elimination of scouting departments, including I, I got a report the other day about um, the Chicago Cubs, uh, one of them, I think it was the Cubs, that eliminated just about their whole scouting department. And that's what they want because the game has gone to analytics, which the owners want. So no scouts, the backbone of the game. And this is what right. Major League Baseball wanted. And they got their wish through a global pandemic, which is wrong, the wrong way to do it. But this is what they wanted to do. And I severely doubt that that any of this will return when there's some type of normalcy returning. I, I don't see it happening. Things have changed. A new world. And, it's a new world and for baseball. Thing, and the, the, the worst thing, part though, of it, Everything you say is not wrong, and I would have accepted every single thing about not starting the season. And to be frank, Rich, once we got past the middle of June, I really didn't think it was worth starting it. Baseball is a no. much different game. It, you know, 60 games. Look, the Mets have lost five in a row. It's yeah. about 12% of their season. It, it, yeah. They're not done. They're, they're not done by any stretch. They're not done because they're not the done. They're not done because you have an expanded playoff system, which is also bogus right. to me because it's more money for the owners, okay? But, so they're not done, even though it's not looking good right now. 
But if this was a 162-game baseball season at the beginning, of course, it's an awful start. I think this is their worst start they're saying since 2010. I don't look at this as a legitimate season anyway. So if they canceled it, they canceled it. They play on and they win, they win, whatever. I mean, look, I love the Mets. I've been forced to cover the Yankee beat from home, and I love the Mets. But uh, I I really don't look at this whole season as legitimate anyway. So they can do whatever they want to do. What I'm concerned more about. How bad, how bad would it be for this sport to not complete this season? As wacky as it is, you've got the 60-man roster. You've got players all over the country that are out of work because the minor league situation. Um. You still have network partners. You still have people that will want to watch this ball game into into October. Uh, you know how bad would it be? Because remember something: there's a lot of people who are rooting against this sport, in my opinion. Because including me right now. Well, I don't think you're rooting against the sport. There's a difference with you, and and they're rooting against the sport because it's not woke. It's not like the NBA. The NFL will fall into that with Kaepernick. The yeah, NHL, yeah, yeah, you're also, they, it, it's yeah. more American. There's a lot of anti-American sentiment out there right now, and I know that everyone's going to get mad at me for saying this because they've been saying I, – I read the comments. I read the reviews. Well, Silva's getting political. I don't want to hear it. How can you not when what's going on is what's going on? That's part of, of course. everything connected. I'm not trying to connect it myself. The world connected it. Uh, baseball is one of the most American sports. It's one of the most traditional sports. What a blow this country when this virus which has been politicized knocks out the sport that's why they have to fight just like those guys you spoke to said that the union they had an obligation to the union the sport has an obligation to push through because they'll tell you what rich nobody's gonna die in this sport i hate to say make back Freddie no Freeman's but on you know what jared what if is on someone the field. Does, mike oh. what if someone does die in the sport that's 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 the thing that you hope that died last year. Dallas Gag died last year. I hope that doesn't happen, but you, you I know, hope it uh, doesn't happen. And you got the you other know. the other element here of, you know, I, I I will say this: I give them credit for trying and putting the game back on the field, no matter what the circumstance is. But you've also got to look at now uh, the interest with all the other sports starting to resume especially with playoffs in the NBA and the NHL. Now, true, those are now crossover fans. There are many of them, but you also have your loyal fans that stick with baseball and just baseball. But, you know, we've been, I'm a boxing guy, and we've been watching boxing now for the last eight weeks in a bubble, all right, which can be done like the NHL and the NBA are doing, and even in the sense the MLS, soccer, are, which I also so, cover. So, so my question is, Rich, if guys could box each other in a contact sport with sweat, do players, do people really believe that the reason there was an outbreak with the Miami Marlins because of high fives, really, and masks? Well, that, that might really, have been part of it. I think they went out on the town and had a good time. Right. It could have been a traveling right. situation. You, it could have been anything. Know, we don't know, Mike. We we right. really don't know what the cause was. We do know this. Baseball is not being played in a bubble. Boxing, now you bring that up, and yeah. I can tell you I'm in on this. Boxing's mm-hmm. done in the bubble because that was a lot of preparation. Now, they could sweat in the ring, but everybody in that small environment of a bubble, the top rank was doing at the MGM in Vegas and Showtime did the last night in Connecticut, the Mohegan Sun. They all had masks on. 
there was intense testing before and after, constant sanitizing. Now, we haven't seen that really with MLB, have we? I mean, I watch these games, and I see a lot of guys without masks, high-fiving, but we don't know what they're doing once they get to a hotel. We don't know what they're doing in the clubhouse as much as they say they've been spaced out, they're spacious oh, and all that. They're, they're, We're not behind we the scenes to see that. Yeah, you can't control. I mean, there's this idea no. from some of the media that we could control people from the minute they leave. Let me, let me ask those in the audience that, oh, the NBA is in a bubble. You don't think people are getting in that bubble? There's already been tweets from escorts that have said they've gotten in the bubble. You're going to tell me these guys haven't left? Yeah. Come on, guys. Are you absolutely yeah. out of your mind? Do you believe for a minute, for a minute that there's no uh, leakage? Come on. I mean, these are adults, Look, not what kids. What they did in Miami, if yeah. they went to the casino, if they went out into town, I'm all for reopening society. I'm also all about you don't jump from the four-foot part of the pool to the 10-foot part of the pool. Uh, without wor- working your way towards that. And right now, the way that the virus spreads is in group gatherings. Uh, and I think yeah. a, a group gathering where a lot of mixture of people that you don't know where they've been certainly is a risk. Shame on them. It is. But it is. To, to, uh, to it, make you know, all around, fancy just... high fives and masks, I'm sorry, masks are not a silver bullet. They're just not. I mean, you could think that. Well, I you know I wear it. my mask wherever I go. And, and I wear it. fine. <laughs> That's fine, and, and that's the executive order. But to make it that because when Brandon Nimmo's on first base, he doesn't have a mask on, when Freddie Freeman's next to him, uh, that's not what's going to spread the virus. That's not what's going to well, get done. Uh, I, 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 I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert on it. But I do know people in the medical profession. And I do read and I listen constantly. And I know the mask does prevent the spread of the virus. It, it, it does, from what I've been hearing. Um, and your immune system on top. And most of these players have great immune system. They have to have that. Young, I have a good guys. immune system. You know, I have you a great I have a good You know why system. you have a good immune system? Because you still bring your fastball. Even COVID. You know what's Rich? I got you going. I got the blood pressure going. I could tell you I got you spirited up today. You know what? We got yeah. you. You know, you still have that. <laughs> I'm going to have to take my blood pressure on my monitor when I get off with you in a moment. But oh, it, that's it, it why comes, I had to because you're the right guy for these kind of conversations. I'm like, who can I bring you on know, a New York guy? You know? I'm just <laughs> very disenchanted to where this is going. I'm generally not much of an optimist. I'll do on certain situations, but this one, I'm a pessimist. And I do not see this game. I hope I'm wrong. As bad as the game is being played and the situation it is, I hope I'm wrong because I love the game. And everyone, you know that, everyone knows that. But I do not right. see this season lasting another few weeks. I can't see it. And there'll be and, and I hate to say there's gonna be a further spread. We're hearing more and more of it every day. If it's not that the Cardinals now with more of them, we'll see more. Yeah. Yep, that will be so I can see that I can see it inevitably happening. Do hope I'm wrong, but I do see it, Mike. And that's gonna hurt the game even more than what has been hurt now. And it's gonna hurt many that will love the game. And I'm getting attacked on social media myself. Why do you talk this way? Why do you say that? Be happy baseball's back. Yeah, I'm happy baseball's back, but not under the situation, the way it's being played, and with a virus, with COVID still running rampant, where everyone's at risk. That's why I don't agree with it. The NY Extra, the New York Extra.com, Latino Sports, at Ring 786. Rich, you always bring your A game. You're a great guest. You're a great friend. I still owe you lunch, which we probably won't get now till 2021. Wow. 
But uh, I, well, I, I, I'm going to get you that you. lunch I have to, eventually. I have to social distance <laughs> from you. So. <laughs> Based on the comments that I've been getting, you ain't alone in that one, my friend. There's a lot of people that may <laughs> Mike, I just hope you're well. Keep up the good work yeah. as always. I always love coming on with you on your podcast. Right. And um, I hope uh, that uh, next year at this time that we're speaking under better and normal circumstances. I, I I'll, hope and I'll pray that. I'll put money in Vegas that we are. I'm going to put money in Vegas I, that we are. I, I, Not well, my Vegas, house. Vegas. I, I, I was supposed to go to Vegas in mid-July to cover a big fight. It never happened. Because we're doing Wild of Fury 3. And Man. of course, I never got there. Nobody could. So, you know, I mean, it, it's got to get better. That's the optimism that I hope for. But I don't see it happening tomorrow. Let's put it that way. Rich, be safe. Be well. Thanks again. Great spot, my friend. We'll talk soon. Okay, my friend? God bless, Mike. Always. I always look forward to talking with you. Rich Mancuso, TheNewYorkExtra.com, Latino Sports at Ring 786. Very spirited. Great debate. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you didn't take offense. I know that everybody gets crazy these days when we start talking about the virus and sports and we interject with politics and whatnot. It's, it's not intentional. It's almost inevitable. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Wrap up. Final thoughts. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. The Talking Mets podcast is available on many outlets, but the most popular is Apple Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Silva, the host of the Talking Mets podcast, and I encourage you to leave a review about the program on Apple. Just rate it one to five stars, hopefully a five because why wouldn't you? And then if you have time, leave a review. It helps the podcast continue to grow and encourages others to take a listen. You can also email me at MikeSilva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Hope to hear from you soon. And enjoy the rest of the show. All right, final thoughts. Great stuff from Rich Mancuso. Always brings it, Rich. I, I, I like him as a guest. It's been a while since we had him on. Hope he's, uh, you know, obviously with a new new uh, venture there, thenewyorkextra.com, Latino sports, great stuff. One thing that I did think about, I didn't mention to be either, either Rich or earlier when I was talking about Cespedes was how interesting it would have been if the Mets could have kept. And I was against, I was not a big Murphy guy. Let's put it that way. But if they could have kept Murphy and Cespedes together in 16 and then maybe into 17. I know he got hurt Cespedes in 17, but he played more than he did after that. How dynamic that would have been as a lefty-righty combo. And would that have been a difference for the Mets? And I know they lost all their pitching in 16. But, um... You know, they still had enough. You know, they had with Lugo and Gazelman coming up, and they had, at that point, they had Addison Reed and Familia in the bullpen, so their back end was pretty solid. I mean, that's actually overlooked how good that bullpen with Familia and Addison Reed were uh, in 16. Uh, it would have been interesting to see how that would have played out. Uh, the Mets made a conscious decision to move on from Murphy, even though he signed a very reasonable contract with the Washington Nationals. And let's face it, Murphy, after those two-year run, that was really, I think he he took what he did in the postseason in 15 and really accelerated that for a short period in 16 and 17 injuries in his knee especially with the microfracture surgery I think has now compromised him uh, as a, an elite hitter I think he's a very good hitter a dangerous hitter a professional hitter but he's not an elite you know he was a top five hitter top 10 hitter all of baseball for those two years I mean think about that and it was an elite elite hitter you know tremendous tremendous hitter turned himself into uh you know everything that they would have asked of uh, Murphy, they uh, 
that he he developed into in Washington, or at least for a short period in that you know three month span late in his career with the Mets, where he put the contact, the elite contact, and and the power together. Uh, he never could field his position, and he cost them a, a, a big error in the World Series. But um, you know they don't get there without him. So anyway, I thought that was just something you know interesting. Could they have paired the two? They made the decision not to re-sign Murphy. That made going after Cespedes that much more important. Maybe if they sign Murphy, they don't go after Cespedes. The course of history is, is changes dramatically. But we all know the one-year deal, the dating of Cespedes, was the best relationship for the Mets and he. And they both knew that they couldn't get to the next phase of their careers or their lives without each other. And they had to merge. They had to marry. Even though they knew it was bad for each other, it was almost like the musical chairs. Well, let's see how this works out. Maybe it'll work out different than we thought. And sure enough, every fear, every negative thought, every situation that we thought would have gone bad for Cespedes and the Mets went bad during the second contract. And uh, some, does it tarnish the first contract? No. It doesn't take away what he did in 15 and 16. It certainly doesn't take away what he did in 15. But certainly um, it will not go down as a banner contract in Mets history. And uh, it's probably, um, you know, one of the last bad contracts that Wilpon signed. You know, I guess you could say Jed Lowry, but, you know, that's a shorter-term contract. But be that as it may. Anyway, want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Of course, you could continue to check out this show and all other shows at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can send me a personal note, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. And you can get the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You guys know the drill. I've said this a billion times. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll see what comes of next week. This is going to be a wild ride. Buckle your seatbelts. Till then, take care, everybody. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.